Hello guys and welcome back to a new Bible teaching session with Edouard Sereduc. Today I would like to talk about a very exciting topic to me and of much interest among Christians and that is how to hear God's voice. In spite of an abundance of Christian materials and sermons available today, many believers still struggle to hear God's voice and have a genuine desire to know how God speaks to his people in the New Testament. In our discussion today, I will provide answers to five questions. Why do we need to hear God? Does God speak today to all born-again believers or only to certain people who are more holy or chosen by Him? How does God speak? How can we discern God's voice from all the, the other voices? And what can we do to learn faster to hear God's voice? So let's start with the first question. Why do we need to hear God? Is it something vitally important that deserves our attention, time, and effort, or is it just a good-to-have ability? Some believers may wonder why they would ever need to hear God's voice in their lives. There are multiple extraordinary benefits in hearing God's voice. First, it will protect you from many harmful decisions, situations, people, or things that might try to come into your life. Second, it will help you see many opportunities and open doors to be blessed and be a blessing for other people. Third, it will direct your steps to your destiny and calling on this earth so that you will fulfill as much as possible of everything God has planned for you and your life. Fourth, it will encourage you and strengthen you in your spirit and your faith in those moments when you might feel weak or discouraged. Hearing God is vital to a continuous life of glory, victory, success, peace, joy, health, well-being, and prosperity here on earth. Let's see next to whom does God speak. In the New Testament, God wants to speak and speaks to all born-again believers. This is different from the Old Testament where God spoke only to certain people chosen by Him. You may ask, why is that? It is because in the Old Testament, all people were under the authority of darkness. Jesus had not died yet on the cross and the Holy Spirit was not yet dwelling in human beings permanently, in a permanent manner. The Holy Spirit was given from time to time to certain people for specific and temporary tasks and in a smaller partial measures. In other words, the Holy Spirit would come and go. However, in the New Testament, the Spirit of God has been sent inside believers to be in them and with them forever. We see this in John 14, 16 to 17 and 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Let's read the first passage. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? 
God always speaks to all believers in Christ. And that is something normal. That should be a daily normality for Christians and not something abnormal happening from time to time in some very special anointed moments. Every believer in Christ has the ability to hear God. God wants to speak to us much more than we are ready to hear Him. In fact, He speaks more than we hear. Let's look at what John 10.27, John 14.26, and John 16.13 tell us about hearing God's voice. John 10.27. My sheep hear my voice, see? And I know them, and they follow me. John 14.26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And John 16, verse 13, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. It's not enough to know God speaks, and it is normal for believers to hear him. But we must search to hear his voice, be preoccupied for it, and tune our minds to the right spiritual frequency pretty much the same way we search for a radio channel until we find the right frequency. As long as you can live without hearing God's voice, you will continue to do so. But it will not be to your advantage. In Jeremiah 29 verses 11 to 13, God speaks to his people through prophet Jeremiah the following. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You see, we need to take time to quiet our minds and all the other voices. We need to disconnect frequently from the daily noise and meditate on who we are in Christ. Where are we going? What are we doing? We are doing and why and so on. We need to make a habit of meditating on God's word and reduce the volume of all the other voices to hear his still small voice. I was once test driving a new car, and while we were driving, I could hear the noise of the wind quite loud from the outside, even with the windows closed. That was one of the things that I was looking for in a next new car, to hear as less noise as possible from the outside. I asked the lady who was doing the test drive with us why we could hear the noise from the outside, uh, to which she replied with a serious face. You see, if you turn on the music louder, you will not hear any wind noise from the outside. I couldn't tell if she was joking or being serious with me when she said that. I didn't even know how to react to such a reply, but I kept serious. The point is that as long as we have other louder voices, loud noise in our lives, it will be difficult, if not impossible, to hear God's voice. In our day and age, the voices have multiplied exponentially. You see, we have internet, social media, smartphones, digital media entertainment, and all kinds of gadgets. As believers, we have to be even more intentional in hearing God's voice than ever before, if we really want to hear Him. And withdrawing from the daily activities should not be very difficult. 
It should be a normal way of life. I'm not talking here about something super spiritual where you take some special longer time aside in silence and away of everyone. Although such times are recommended when it's possible. I know we all have uh, all kinds of activities, but it doesn't always have to be a special time. But in your mind, you need to be sensitive to take a step back often and think about things, situations, analyze, hear a sermon, ask yourself questions, meditate on the word, things like that. Okay, let's answer the next question. How does God speak? The first way God speaks to his sons and daughter is his word or the word of Christ. We cannot expect to hear God's voice so much in specific ways until we know very well what he has already spoken in his word. We need to spend time in his word. And when I talk about the word of Christ or spending time in the word, I'm not referring to refreshing our minds with what God expects from us morally speaking. But to learn from the word who we are in Christ. What is our identity as a new creation? What inheritance we have received? What are our rights and responsibilities in the spiritual realm? How the spiritual world and spiritual laws work? What is the heart of God? His ways of doing things. His nature. His character. His perspectives on things. And his values. Being continuously in the Word is not hard. We just need to form a consistent habit of reading the Word personally, of listening to Bible teaching and sermons, and of memorizing verses that apply to the new creation. The more Word we have in us, the more we will become one in thought and heart with God. We will know what to do in many situations even without receiving a special word from God. For instance, many times I can take a decision for our family even without my wife being there and I know for sure whether she will agree with my decision or not. Why? Because I know her very well. We spend much time together. And the same goes for her and for you maybe or in your family. The word will also act as a control point for all the other voices we hear. Sometimes we might think we heard something from God that contradicts what he already said clearly in his word. For example, God will never tell you that you can divorce your wife and go with someone else, right? Other times, we wait to hear for an answer from God concerning a situation about which he already told us in his word that we have the answer like lack of peace, sickness, financial lack, and so on. In all these situations, we have a knowledge problem. 2 Peter 1, 2 to 3 says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to, to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Many people pray for peace in their families, peace concerning their finances, their health, and their future, but don't have the necessary and adequate knowledge of God that will give them the peace they are looking for without waiting to receive from God. Peace will not come over you all of a sudden like a supernatural blanket, but it comes through the knowledge of Him. 
if you have a peace problem in your life, it's because you have a knowledge problem. The same is true if you have a sickness in your body or a financial problem. Hosea 4.6 says that God's people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, not lack of power or of prayer. Romans 8.6 says this, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Carnal thinking doesn't refer only to sinful things, but to the worldly way of thinking in all things. To be spiritually minded means to think according to the word and its principles in all your decisions and approach to life. Spiritual mindedness gives you life and peace. This is what the word of God says. The second way God speaks is through the inner voice of the mind. When God's people transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament, some significant changes took place in the relationship between God and human beings. Almost everything pertaining to Christian life has changed in some way. Uh, for instance, fasting and prayer, the way we worship and praise God, prophecy, authority, the way God relates to people. Unfortunately, many believers still live in the Old Testament and read the Old Testament thinking into the New Testament. The way God speaks specifically to his people in the New Testament is another one of those areas that changed, was changed in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God spoke to his people most times, if not all the time, with an audible voice and from the outside of the person, if I may say so, because people didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. God was also sending his messages, if you remember, through angelic appearances. The prophets had to receive and deliver the, message, the messages from God very accurately. It was like a spiritual trance they entered into. And if something they said didn't fulfill, didn't get fulfilled, they were deemed as false prophets and sometimes killed. However, in the New Testament, God speaks inside of us, in our conscious mind, through intuition, impressions, pictures, visions, certain feelings, or dreams during night. It's like a telepathic communication, if I may say so, where we just find ourselves knowing things in our intuition, in our gut. Sometimes we have a good feeling, a good gut feeling, or a bad feeling about a situation. In the New Testament, the voice of God goes through our soul, through our emotions, reason, personality, and it speaks to us in the first person pronoun. It uses our inner ear and voice as if it was our own voice, our ideas and desires. That is why many times the voice of God in our lives is confused with our own voice and is quickly dismissed without realizing that it was God speaking to us and not just our own ideas. I'll give here the examples of priest Caiaphas and the apostle Peter who spoke something they thought it was from them when in fact it was from the Spirit of God. We see that in John 11, 49 to 52. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. 
and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. And Matthew 16, verses 15 to 17, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Because God uses our inner voice when he speaks, we need faith to act on the basis of what which we think we receive from God. Sometimes we don't have the whole picture, and we just need to take the first step in faith. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. At first, we might not always get it right, but even when we make mistakes, God will appreciate our faith to act, and he will find ways to bring us back on the right path if we did a mistake. Moreover, through, through practice, step by step, we will learn to recognize his voice more and more accurately. You may ask, but why is it this way in the New Testament? It is because at the spirit level, through the new birth, we have become one spirit with the spirit of Christ. We see that in 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The born-again believers have the mind of Christ. We see that in 1 Corinthians 2.16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Many believers think that having the mind of Christ is a metaphor, a process, an ideal, and that it refers to thinking morally like God. However, it is not so. There is definitely a process of integrating, implementing the mind of Christ into our lives, but there is also something real that has already took place, had taken place. At the subconscious level of our minds, the mind of Christ himself has been eternally connected to our minds at the moment of salvation. We now have access to how Christ thinks in every situation. Carolyn Leaf, a Christian scientist in brain neurology, says that human beings, and especially born-again believers, are involved in two worlds in the same time. They are with one foot on the spiritual realm through the subconscious mind, where spiritual activity takes place, and with the other foot in the physical realm through the conscious mind. She also says that the, the conscious mind functions at a 2,000 actions per second speed, while the subconscious mind works at a uh, 400 billion actions per second, which is a spiritual quantum speed that has never been reproduced in the physical world by any human being. The Bible says the following in Colossians 2 verses 2 to 3 and 1 John 2 verse 20. Colossians 2, 2 to 3 that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And 1 John 2.20, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. 
Once we have come into Christ, we have received access in our minds to all knowledge and wisdom. But that access is at the subconscious level of our minds. And we have to bring those things that we need for every situation out to the surface into our conscious minds. So that we can benefit from them. It is like we have a vast fountain of life and knowledge inside of us, in our belly or gut, from where we draw out the living water of answers and power for any given situation. This is the enteric nervous system from the intestinal area where we first feel any feelings of great fear or stress, you know. This is the area of intuition from where our gut feelings come from. Carolyn Leaf and other scientists call this system that is connected to the subconscious mind the second brain. And here comes into play the discussion about the prayer in tongues. We have in us a fountain called the fountain of salvation, which springs into rivers of living water. If you remember the beginnings of the internet when Google first appeared and uh, we tried to search for a certain word or topic on the internet, we received very few results because the knowledge on the internet at that time was still limited and scarce. However, if we skip a few years, uh, a few years have gone by, and if you go to the internet today to search for something, you will get back thousands of resources and links on any given topic. Why? Because the information available on the internet has become so vast almost overnight. I remember when I first bought the Logos Bible software for my school, I had only the starter or bronze packages. And when I searched for anything inside that software, I would get a few resources about that topic. Later on, I upgraded to the silver or gold packages and gold packages, and all of a sudden, a whole new world opened up to me. It was like a portal into new knowledge. Now, when I searched for the same thing, I was getting many more resources and Greek lexicons and all kinds of commentaries on the topic. Likewise, when we come into Christ, platinum or diamond level access, if you want, so if, if I may say so, is granted to us in knowledge and wisdom, and we access those by renewing our minds with the word of God and by speaking in tongues regularly. In that way, when you hear a sermon or when you read a book or when you look at a situation, all of a sudden you will see and perceive things which will seem normal and natural to you and which most of the times you will take for granted even or seem trivial to you. But they are not seen by other people. And it happened many times to me. That happens because you now have access to a much bigger database of knowledge, wisdom and revelation. But the point that I'm trying to make is that those things will not come to you with fire and thunder from heaven, but in a very subtle and normal way. The third way God speaks to us is through regular prayer in tongues. I don't know how I can emphasize enough the necessity of believers to pray regularly in tongues, and especially in situations where they need to hear God. The more believers will pray in tongues, the more their minds will be merged with the mind of Christ at the conscious level, and they will enter into the so-called unconscious leading of the Spirit. At that level, 
Most of our decisions, our speech, and our deeds are in God's will unconsciously. This is so much better and more desirable because when we are continuously filled with the Holy Spirit through praying tongues, through singing spiritual songs, psalms, Ephesians 5.18 says that, even our jokes can speak something from God to someone. Romans 8.14 says that all those who are led by the Spirit of God unconsciously, if I may add so, they are the sons of God. The Greek word used for sons in this context is huos, which means the mature sons of God. Those that have renewed their minds with the word of God and pray so much in tongues that literally have become one with the spirit in actuality. There is another Greek word used for babies or children in Christ, and that is nepios. The apostle Paul was praying in tongues more than anyone. It's not a surprise that he wrote three quarters of the New Testament and had such revelations of grace directly from Jesus Christ that the other apostles didn't have, although they lived with Jesus for three years. In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 15, Paul said this, What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. The also in this text applies to the prayer and singing with the understanding. In other words, that kind of prayer and singing is secondary. The primary way of praying and singing should be with the Spirit, in tongues. However, for some reasons, the vast majority of Christians treat prayer in tongues as some kind of secondary prayer that occurs here and there only at what they consider to be high moments in the spirit. Or they use prayer in tongues as fillers. Uh, I heard the PhD professor saying that. <clears throat> prayer in tongues brings the mind of the spirit to the surface. Romans 8, 26 to 27 says this. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as, for as we out. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says that when we speak in tongues, we edify ourselves. What parts of us get edified? Our bodies through health and our minds through renewal. In other words, our minds and bodies are getting tuned, aligned, and conformed to the reality of the Spirit inside us. The counsel that you need concerning your family, what job to choose, what life partner to choose, in what direction to go ministry-wise, what is your calling and destiny, answers to all these are already inside of you. They just need to be drawn out through speaking in tongues. Sometimes when I lose something and I cannot find it, I pray in tongues. And soon enough, an idea comes to my mind of where I have last placed that thing. At my workplace, when I face a technical challenge that I don't know how to solve, I pray in tongues. The beauty of it is that the more you make a habit of praying in tongues, the more supernatural answers to daily problems will flow naturally out of you and come to your mind. 
at my workplace, I already have a reputation of fixing issues just by my mere presence in a meeting without doing anything, and I'm not kidding. My colleagues make jokes about it, but to me, it's very real. It happened to me on many occasions when different people from the company tried for days to fix an issue, and finally, they set up a meeting with me to explain to me the problem and see if I can help in any way. Once we got in the meeting and they started explaining the problem to me, they would realize the issue was no longer there and asked me if I did anything, to which I, will, I would tell them that I didn't. Sometimes, they, other times, they just send me an email about the problem to take a look at it and without doing anything, after a few minutes, they send another email telling me that the issue was fixed and again asking me if I did anything. It may sound hilarious, but that has been my experience on many occasions and it's not the only manifestation of supernatural in my life. Now, how do I discern God's voice among all the other voices? The voice of the world, the voice of the devil, or the voice of myself? The first way to discern God's voice is through His Word. The more Word we have in us and the more we pray in tongues, the more God's desires will become our heart's desires. This way we can become more sure that when we desire to do something, it will be from God. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. This verse can definitely mean that God will give us the desires of our heart, although some of those desires are not always good, as we know. However, a better interpretation would be that the more we delight ourselves in God, in His presence and in His Word, He makes His desires become the desires of our hearts. Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is able to distinguish and separate what is spiritual from what is fleshly. Let's read it. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. The second way we can discern God's voice is through the presence or absence of peace. Colossians 3.15 says this, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which, you, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. When I talk about peace or lack of it, I'm talking about something beyond just feelings, which can be deceiving sometimes. It's an uneasiness that you feel in your innermost being, in your gut, about a situation. You don't know why, but you just feel that way. My wife and I decided once to move uh, in a, to a certain city and for two weeks after we took the decision, both of us had a persistent feeling of uneasiness, like a cloud of darkness all over us. The moment we asked the Holy Spirit about it and decided to change our destination, all of a sudden both of us were at ease and full of joy and peace. On another occasion, I was offered to become the pastor of a church. Something that I always wanted to do. But for some reason, at that time, I didn't have peace at all to accept that position. And I didn't, thank God. 
Later on, I understood why it was better for me not to take it. And the Holy Spirit protected me of some harmful things that wanted to come my way. Whenever you are in a situation where you have to choose something and take a decision, but for some reason you don't have a complete peace with any of the available options, you either wait more time if it's possible or just go with the choice that gives you the most peace. Because it is very possible that after you take the first step, you will receive more clarity and the whole, you will see more of the picture. The third way we can discern God's voice is to ask for additional confirmations from God or from other people close to you that know you well and truly love you. God will not be upset if you sincerely ask for other confirmations, especially in crucial decisions of your life. And most of the times you will see that he will give them to you. Uh, lastly, what can I do to learn faster how to discern God's voice? Well, the first thing we need to realize, and the most important one, is that learning to discern God's voice doesn't come overnight. But it's a process that takes time. In fact, spiritual growth and development takes time. For example, to train our minds and to get an education, we usually spend over 15 years in school, right? Also, if we want to build muscles in our bodies, we go to the gym for years regularly and adopt certain food diets. We adjust our diets. Likewise, it is with the spiritual development in the New Testament and with hearing God's voice. It requires time and intentional effort to build those healthy spiritual habits that will facilitate and cultivate our growth in spiritual things. The vast majority of Christians expect spiritual results to come instantly and microwaved and God to do everything for them. But it is not so in the New Testament. The second important thing is that no one can teach you the ability to hear God. You can receive teaching and guidelines like we do now, but to actually recognize God's voice for you personally, it is something that you will have to learn on your own by yourself through consistent practice and faith. But if you keep at it diligently, you will soon come to a place where you'll be able to recognize the voice of God accurately among all the other voices. The same way you can recognize maybe the voice of your husband or wife or children because you spend much time with them. My son and I have a habit to listen every evening, every evening at bedtime to the audio Bible through an app called Bible.is. And there are many actors that use their voices in reading the Bible in that app. After listening to the four Gospels about three, four times in a row and to the voice of the person who was interpreting Jesus, we once started to listen to the story of Joseph from the Old Testament. The creators of the app decided to use the same person's voice for Joseph as they used for Jesus. While we were listening, I didn't even give it much thought. I didn't pay attention to it. But my five-year-old son said to me, Daddy, this is not Joseph. It is Jesus. Why is Jesus in this story? You see, he got so acquainted with, the, with that voice that was interpreting Jesus that he could recognize it among four or five other voices and even in another story. That's amazing. But that's exactly what will happen to you. 
I will conclude this teaching by giving you a few practical guidelines of how to grow in learning to hear God's voice. Guidelines that I already apply in my life. First, increase your daily exposure to the Word of God. Make a habit of reading at least one chapter a day from the Bible, especially from the New Testament. And think about what it says. But don't try to become super spiritual or search for meanings that are not even in the text. Just simply try to see how that passage speaks to you, what applies to you from it, and how you can implement it in your life. Also, make a habit of listening to sermons that help you understand the word better. And don't just listen to anyone, but to people who preach about grace and about the new creation. For starters, you can begin listening to my YouTube channel, uh, to the Glory of Righteousness series, I fully recommend it, to the Divine Healing series, the New Creation series, or to my podcast channel uh, called Rediscovering the Gospel, available on numerous podcast stations on the internet. All are free. Other recommendations are Andrew Womack, who has thousands of free audio teaching files on his website or on podcasts, Barry Bennett, uh, Audrey Mack, maybe you heard of them, Curry Blake from Dallas, Kenneth Hagan, Dr. Miles Monroe, all these are from US, then Joseph Prince from Singapore, Pastor Chris Oyakilome from Nigeria, Ryan Rufus from Hong Kong, and Prophet Kobus, who died already, from South Africa. You can find their materials on their websites, on YouTube, or podcast channels. What I did for myself is that I uploaded some of those teachings on my mobile phone, or I use Apple Podcasts directly on the phone, CastBox Podcasts, and I always listen to something, to a sermon in my car while I drive. If you ride a bike or use public transportation, you can use in-ear headphones and listen to sermons. Besides reading the word or listening to sermons, what I also do and recommend is memorize verses that apply to the new creation and personalize them to yourself. I use the Bible Memory Remember Me app where I collected over 300 relevant verses from my reading of the Bible and I rehearse two verses every day. The same I do with my five-year-old son, but with him I rehearse the same two verses for a week every day. Second, the second guideline is start forming a habit of praying daily in tongues and begin small with maybe five, ten minutes and then extend in time, the, the time gradually up to one hour maybe a day. Try to pray at different times of the day and see which ones work best for you, either very early in the morning or after lunch at work or in the afternoon. Everybody, everyone is different or late at night before you go to bed, but find a time. In the beginning, it will seem difficult to implement this habit because it requires much faith and discipline. But after a while, it will become so easy and you'll notice that you will not be able to live without it anymore. It will be like breathing. That's what happened to me. I usually find some walking routes close to my area, close to my house where I live, which are more quiet and not so populated. And I go for a walk and pray in tongues and declare the word of God over my life. Anywhere between 40 minutes and to an hour almost daily. And I'm saying that with all humility, not to brag, not to praise myself, but to encourage you that it's possible and to offer you a practical point of reference. 
I needed that in the past. So that's why I'm offering to you right now. Of course, besides taking a special aside time to pray, you can always pray in times while doing other activities like working around the house, shopping, washing dishes, washing your car, etc. Third, be always preoccupied and ready to hear God. Make a habit of it. Whenever you pray by yourself or with others or walk or go shopping, remind yourself from time to time to listen to God and be sensitive to His voice. In this way, you will increase your self-awareness and be able to discern more accurately when God speaks to you. Not only that, but your spiritual progress will manifest in the natural world in increasing measure and it will be seen by all. The Apostle Paul told Timothy this in 1 Timothy 4, verses 13 to 16. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands, of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continuing them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. If you give yourself entirely to this process, your progress will be evident to all. If you continue persistently, you will save yourself and those who hear you or come in contact with you. Timothy was already at that moment saved eternally from hell. So the salvation that Paul is talking about here is the salvation on earth from all the harmful things that normally and naturally affect people without Christ. I hope, I really hope you've been blessed by this message and it, that, that it encouraged you to pursue God's voice because, because it's worth it for a successfully godly life here on earth. May God continue to bless you and cause you to walk in favor in all your ways. Amen.